Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. Today we are talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, and frankly, what more do you need? Strap on in and web-sling with us into another episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. We're back with the MCU Exchange Podcast, and uh, we're pretty excited. I think, guys, that we have been going for about 26 weeks straight now, so this has been a full half year. I was thinking we don't number our episodes, but we've been uh, clinking along at a pretty good rate, and so that's exciting. Um, I Today, we do not have Ryan with us. As I said last week, unfortunately, some things came up, and we had to change our schedule, and he could not make the call, but we have Adam and Rhiannon as usual. So, welcome back, guys. I think this is the first time the three of us have done one, just us, in quite a while. Alright, first thing is, of course, our news, as we always do, and so we're going to jump into that. Obviously, the big Spider-Man Homecoming review is coming up, but let's talk about the news first. And the first news is Spidey News. Uh, we're finding out now that Spider-Man Homecoming is probably going to come in around $117 million domestic this weekend. Uh, I think 250 is the global number. Uh, it's doing very well, I've heard, in places like South Korea, which is interesting. Um, but that's a little bit low, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Uh, I think that was about $130, $140 million some. Um, guys, we'll talk about the movie in a minute, but... Do you think Sony's pretty happy with their $117 million haul on this? How could they not be? I mean, and the interesting thing that I, I, I actually spent my weekend in New York City, and I walked through Times Square wanting to see what Spider-Man advertisements there were. And it really, they didn't have any of the big marquees in Times Square or anything like that. They had like the buses and an occasional like billboard here or there. So... Maybe that big push is international, but maybe Spidey just sells himself that well. I mean, it's coming in a little above expectations, wasn't it? I thought it was projected right around 100. Um, so I would guess Sony is quite happy with the uh, big payday they're getting. Yeah, it's a little bit lower than the first Spider-Man and Spider-Man 3, but it's definitely higher than the Andrew Garfield ones. And I think that they will be happy. Um We'll probably have a feature coming up in a day or two on the website where Joseph, who has kind of some experience in this stuff, will talk about the marketing. And they did a lot of really smart marketing things. They, um, I think they spent their money well. They did a lot of TV spots on younger shows. Uh, they put a lot of stuff into, I think, Disney XD and Freeform and networks like that. <clears throat> they also uh, put a lot of money into, apparently, videos that popped up on PlayStation somehow to get, like, kids that are gaming. And so I think they're going to be pretty happy with how all that worked out. And, you know, the general youth of their audience, I think, is probably something to be happy about, too. All right, we had some character reveals today for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, This happened a couple of days ago. Uh, Funko showed us some toys that are coming out, and they included our first look at Surtur. Uh, Also, what we think is a look at Korg and Meek. Uh, and it's just kind of cool to see what those characters will look like. Adam, you're a little uh, more, I think, in the know than Rhiannon or I on Thor stuff. Uh, are you excited about the designs that you're seeing? Does it does it look the way you think it should look? The uh, the toys they've been releasing for this movie are absolutely incredible. Um, both the, the, the Funko set, 
um, in the Marvel Legends that came out last week or the week before. Um, everything just looks really good. And, um, yeah, it's kind of given me a lesson and that I need to save my money to buy more toys, I suppose, with with all the stuff that's coming out. But the, the one thing that was interesting, I think Marvel had some sort of release video um, a few weeks uh, or a week ago um, showing the first wave of Thor things. And I think the Grandmaster was part of one of those, um, but he wasn't in the final lineup type video. Um, so I was kind of confused of that, but yeah, I mean, everything looks great. There's a bunch of, uh, I, uh, suppose I should have looked at it, but I didn't even look at the mystery minis or whatever they're called. I know there were, there were a couple more characters than that that weren't in the Funko line. Uh, but the Funko Pops per se, they, they looked real good. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. The one Grandmaster mini was like all yellow. Kind of like, it almost looked like an astral form of him from the Doctor Strange stuff. And I have no idea what that means. Like, I'm really curious now why that looks that way, you know? So, uh, I thought Meek looked pretty good too. I was a little worried from some set photos that it was just going to be like a scrawny white humanoid. But it looks like they're going full bug person. So, I'm pretty excited about that too. All right, there was another really weird news story this week where uh, we told you a week or two ago that Black Panther had cast a actress to be Tilda Johnson. And then this week, Luke Cage made another major casting announcement for a actress that was playing Tilda Johnson. And for a minute, the internet lost its collective mind. At least we did at MCU Exchange Headquarters. Like, why do we have two Tilda Johnsons? Are they just giving up on continuity altogether and all that kind of stuff? Um, but since then, the actress who is in Black Panther has removed uh, the tweet where she mentioned she was Tilda. It's no longer on Twitter. And so it looks like the real one is in Luke Cage, and the one in Black Panther was kind of like giving a background character an important name, and they kind of undid that. Um... Rhiannon, did you follow any of this stuff? I mean, I assume you're happy that Luke Cage would get the character before Black Panther would? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about this character, for starters. Um, I, you know, I was one of the ones being very upset that the continuity, you know, that they might have just given up on continuity. Um, the actress in Black Panther did take it down. And we actually did reach out to Cheo Hodari Coker, the um, showrunner in Luke Cage, for comment. And his comment was, watch Luke Cage when it comes out. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't know anything. I, I really hope it doesn't mean that they're having issues with the continuity. I hope it doesn't mean, you know, that's the type of stuff that it matters to me. I, I don't know this particular character. Obviously, she's badass enough that they wanted her in Black Panther and Luke Cage. Um, so I just care more about the continuity and the fact that the two sides are obviously not working together that closely that they would make some sort of error like this. Yeah, that's the biggest thing to me is the communication. We've had some uh, casting like uh, we got a month or two ago, got some roles. Uh, I think it was one of the things we did with that hashtag show where we saw who they were trying to cast in the show. And so the fact that that's been working for a while, but Black Panther has had a script for at least six months to a year, 
and nobody like communicated back and forth or maybe the actress spoke out of turn in one of the situations. I mean, it's just so it's bizarre. It just seems to say that nobody's talking with each other. You know, the right hand and left hand do not know what each other is doing. So Adam, do you have any thoughts on the Tilda Johnson kerfuffle? Yeah, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not sure that actress is going to necessarily have the biggest role in Black Panther. So it might be the type of thing where she was supposed to be Tilda Johnson, um, but now might be someone else or something of that nature. You know, it's a character that makes a lot more sense um, on the street level Netflix type stuff. Um so yeah, if if she's a bigger in a bigger role, uh, the character has a bigger role on Netflix. I, I'd certainly uh, like that better than uh, uh, five second on screen cameo or whatever in Black Panther, you know. But like the both of you said, it it does seem to come down to just a, a lack of communication. Uh, excuse me, communication between the uh, movie and TV side of things. Yeah, I think they need to be more cautious. Sometimes they try to do cute little Easter egg things that actually just cause problems. Like, I forget, isn't Amadeus Cho, like, technically a pizza guy in one of the comics or something? You know, like, they did something that they're like, oh, look at that's a comic connection. And you're like, no, let's just save that character for when we really need them. <laughs> Instead of, like, extra yeah. number five having one of these titles, you know? Yeah. All right, the next bit of news is we are getting a new Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. into uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Apparently, Agent Jimmy Woo is making his way into that uh, film and has been cast. Um, Adam, I guess we'll start with you. Are you uh, Do you know much about Jimmy Woo, or is this exciting you at all? Uh, well, to be honest, I had no idea who he was until I Googled him <laughs> when I read the article on the website. So, uh... Yeah, I guess I know nothing about it. He's some sort of S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, right? Uh, Yeah, he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And I, I'm just looking it up now. The actor who is going to play him is... Uh, he's on Fresh Off the Boat. Randall Park is his name, so... Okay, I he was... Uh, I think I watched a movie with him last... What is it? Office Christmas Party? It's not the uh, best movie. Um... <laughs> But he was in it, I think, and he's on a uh, another ABC show. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was before Shield, though. But yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's fresh actor. off the boat. Oh, so yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, he's a seems like a cool dude. I just don't know anything about Jimmy Woo. Any thoughts, Rhiannon? Not really. I I recognized the actor when I saw him. I couldn't like place like where I had seen him. So, you know, I like that they're continuing to get big faces. Um, Awesome that S.H.I.E.L.D. is moving forward right now. We may not be getting, you know, the episodes very soon, but they seem to be filming and moving with stuff. Uh, So he looks like a good catch. Fresh Off the Boat was a popular show for a little while. Um, So I'm excited about him. I don't know anything about the character. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe we're burying the lead a little bit as far as, like, what this tells us is that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to have some kind of value to it, like, by the time Ant-Man and the Wasp comes around. I mean, in the movies, the last time we saw S.H.I.E.L.D. in any way, shape, or form was really Winter Soldier, right? I mean, I guess there's the Helicarrier for, like, five minutes in Age of Ultron, 
But like generally speaking, Shield has been pretty dormant in the film, so I think it's interesting that they're coming back with any kind of significance into the movie world. Yeah, that is huge news, I think. And it may be giving us a view, will Ant-Man and the Wasp come out after Infinity War, correct? Yeah, it's coming out about 12 months from now. So, it it gives us some insight that S.H.I.E.L.D. might be back in the swing of things when we get out of Infinity War? Yeah, particularly taken with, I'll use that as a great segue to our next news piece, that uh, we have found out that Nick Fury is going to be back and Samuel L. Jackson actually has a role of significance in the Captain Marvel movie. So I think that's interesting, right? These kind of stories, I think, fit together in that it shows us that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to return as a connective tissue of some kind into these movies. And I think Fury kind of makes sense, you know, story-wise, that he would be kind of a government agent that would be working with this military presence and, and Captain Danvers and... And things would go from there. Have you guys been missing Samuel L. Jackson in these movies? Or uh, has he begun long enough that you're sort of excited to see him return? I'm I, I'm excited. Well, I'm worried about S.H.I.E.L.D. coming back now. That, I mean, just not to like dwell on that one subject. I'm worried about it coming back again, meaning a lack of continuity. That maybe they'll just, you know, whatever. Here's this entity. But uh, no, I'm so excited to see Samuel L. Jackson come back. He is somebody that I've missed. I think we all got a little excited when he showed up. Um, because it always was sort of like bringing things together or moving things in a new direction. So I'm excited to see him back. Uh, no, cool. It, 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 I am a little surprised that it seems like it's a pretty sizable role. You know, um, everything I've read may paints that sort of picture. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, am excited to uh, see him back for sure. How can you not be excited? I suppose. All right, I think that does it for our news. We're going to move on now to this feature we've been doing all summer where we're counting down all the seasons of Marvel television. And we rank them, Rhiannon and Adam and I, uh, 1 to 11, I guess it was. Uh, We have now worked our way all the way up to number 5, which is exciting, which means we only have about five more weeks until Defenders comes along. And um, this week on the list at number 5... We have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4. This is the last of the non-Netflix shows to make the list. This is the best ranked one. It's obviously the most recent season, so we've talked this a lot over the last half a year. Um, With a little more perspective, guys, I mean, we've had this as the best ABC season uh, of all. Do you think that we made the right call with that decision? I I I think so. I mean, now I'm starting to wonder if we shouldn't have ranked season one a little bit higher. But then again, season one was a little iffy. The readers disagree with you incredibly. Uh, They were upset that anything was above season one of that show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this, I mean, I think think it's also like this one is very fresh in our minds. It had a very strong finish. That last pod was fantastic. You know, if we were doing this by the first half of season four, I think we would have ranked it much lower. I mean, I don't want to speak for you guys, but we talked about it a lot. So um, it just it was so strong and so fresh in our minds that I know that's why I ranked it so high. Though I did feel horribly bad about Ryan having to defend our ranking or, you know, having to discuss our rankings as though he had anything to do with last week's. Um, So what you... 
What you missed in that is that um, Ryan went on a diatribe about Iron Fist oh. that I uh, I cut for time reasons. But yeah, Ryan hates Iron Fist. I kind of want to bring him back when Iron Fist is on the, the the lineup, just so that he can like. At one point, he was just like, Adam was talking about how much he liked that show, and he was like, "Are you joking? You've got to be lying. There's no way you like it that much." It was it was pretty funny. Oh, poor poor Ryan, poor Iron Fist, poor little Iron Finn. Um. But yeah, I felt bad about Ryan having to defend our decision, or you know, having to be in the discussion as if he should have been in our rankings. Um, he should have been. Yeah. I think at least if we had had maybe everybody at the MCU exchange do the rankings, we could pretend it wasn't just us. But we're having to come up and own our decisions here. Um, and yeah. and Agents of Shield. Well, and we actually watch them all. Uh, oh, true. The, the, the little dirty secret is some of our writers do not watch all of these TV shows. So. But for for the sake of like our journalism they also don't write up that stuff i mean like yes right yeah right, right, like exactly. the folks that aren't watching shield aren't writing up shield stories yes we do <laughs> so yeah that's that'll be a fun if you really care which you shouldn't do a little detective work find out who wrote the shield articles and you'll find out who watches the show so if you care that much you could just dm me Adam, what do you um, what do you think about season four now? As it's a few months in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I I don't want to say it'd be unanimous, but I would say a good chunk of people who have watched the show um, every year would say it's the best, or at least it's it's a favorite. You know, um, I did think the Ghost Rider bit. Um, Ghost Rider is another one of those huge characters that I don't. Uh, particularly care for you know it's ghost rider and and spider-man um but yeah and punisher uh, i'd probably i like punisher the best out of all those guys um but you know it just got better as it went on you know it kept getting better and better with the exception of i think it was the second pod finale i don't know if you want to call that a mid-season finale um or what but i think it was self-control was it um Right before we got Agents of Hydra, you know, I think that's probably my favorite S.H.I.E.L.D. episode of of the show. You know, it, it was really good. Um, it started off, I wasn't sure how, you know, this, this director Mace guy was going to work out and, and all that stuff. But um, I'm not sure there's too many things I flat out disliked. You know, I, I didn't mind uh, director Mace. Mallory Jansen did excellent in every single role she played you know um however many you want to count it three or four technically separate characters she pulled a grand ward i suppose um but yeah (laughs) she she was really good um we even got a version of ghost rider what how do what do we call him colson rider ghost phil i'm not sure what that was but that was probably the most badass thing I've seen on the show. Um, but yeah, I think it was just really the that a smooth season, I guess. I it didn't drag on, uh like seasons past, you know, like the the whole hive thing lasted all twenty two, twenty three episodes or whatever it is. Um and I, obviously that can be contributed to the the introduction of pods, you know, Ghost Rider, then L M D, then Agents of Hydra while it the storylines did carry throughout the season you know there was three distinctive story arcs 
Um, and that's, and I think that that really did help the show out. Yeah, I think that's a major innovation that they put into this. And I think they're really better off for it, and I'm glad they did it. Um, I also think that the interconnectedness to the Marvel Universe was really smart in this season. As far as Ghost Rider and the, you know, those ghost things at the beginning, and the fact that he, like, makes a sling ring, like, ring with his chain, all of that stuff was a way to really thematically connect with Doctor Strange without having to do that very explicitly. You know, they didn't need Benedict Cumberbatch to show up, but they were able to expand the universe on the TV side the same way they were expanding it on the film side. And I think that's a smart kind of it's all connected instead of like having to ham fest, you know, hanging out in the library that Thor bashed up with his hammer. Like, I think they figured out interconnectedness in a better way in this season, you know? Absolutely. That, uh, his chain has a slingering thing, you know, even, even my parents, notice that you know we watch all the mcu stuff um and i my dad even made the comment is didn't dr strange do one of those things i'm like good you're starting to pick up on this stuff um so yeah that was that was a really good uh what do you want to call it a connection i suppose um i didn't ask you guys this ahead so i'm putting you a little on the spot since we've talked about all the agents of shield episodes now or all the seasons uh if you had one episode that is like your favorite Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, the one that sticks out in your mind of, like, why you love that show. Is there one that quickly comes to mind, like, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that's your favorite across the four seasons? I don't know, I'm trying to think. Just, like, like the favorite episode, I guess, or... Yeah, yeah, do you have a favorite episode of, of, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I mean, I would have to say right now my favorite, um... would probably be that, uh the finale to the LMD thing with all the uh, hundreds of LMD daisies or whatever. Um, I didn't actually mind this overall season finale either. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I do want to proclaim a, a favorite episode, um, but a front runner would be that, uh, what was it, episode 15, I believe, or 14, I can't remember. Whatever, Whatever capped off the LMD part. Yeah, and we've seen, I think, on social media this week that they did some mailers out to Emmy voters, and that episode was one of them. I think it was that one and the um, Pod 1 uh, finale as well that they sent out. Rhiannon, how about you? Do you have any? Do you have an episode that sticks out as like a fave episode? I really don't. I mean, I have some favorite... <laughs> yeah, I keep thinking, like, favorite moments. Like, there, there was... I keep thinking of like when Gemma came back from the mystery planet and like her relationship with, with Fitz, but I don't have a favorite episode. They all kind of blur together because there's so many, but if I had a favorite like arc, the pod, that last pod, I loved, loved the, the whole last pod that we had, the agents of Hydra, the, the framework. It was wonderful. So I, the reason I thought of this question, Adam was talking about how much he liked that one episode. My favorite is still the episode where we find out why May is the cavalry. Oh. You know, like they had been building that up for so long. I forget if it's, it, it might be season. I think it's season two, but maybe it's even three. Like she's had this nickname and you find out something about what happened in Bahrain. 
and nobody will talk about it. And the fact that it was connected to Inhumans before we ever knew that there were Inhumans in this kind of part of the universe. And, you know, just the way that that worked and that episode kept flipping your expectations. And just, you know, as this little girl that was causing all the damage, so she had to kill her. Like, that episode still sticks out to me as, like, the best plot that they ever had. And that it was so character developed, you know, so... Anyways, that's still my favorite um, all these years later. I think that's that's the best one I've seen. So That was a little bonus question there to, uh, to finish out our talk. All right. Uh, we have gone through our news and our discussion of S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty quickly because we want to spend a lot of time talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. So uh, this is our second Marvel movie this year. It came out this weekend. We talked about how well it was doing. Um... Let's just start very generically. How did you feel when you were uh, leaving the movie theater after seeing this movie? Uh, Rhiannon, go ahead, go first. I know I am in the minority for this. I left the movie theater feeling a little bit exhausted. I loved the movie. I know everybody's going to love this movie. But the big climactic fight scene made me very anxious. For some reason. And we can go into that. Are we doing spoilers? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, so we're just going to go into spoilers. We've tried before doing non-spoiler reviews and we stink at them. So, yeah, we're going full spoiler. Uh, if you've not seen it yet, you're a fool for listening to this and not seeing it yet. So just give up your foolish ways. Turn off this podcast and go find it a showing. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Go figure out how to see this movie. So, anyways, yes, full spoilers. Go ahead. Okay, so, um, I mean, I just, the whole fight on the jet, the, the whole jet situation and him hanging off of the jet and all of that. I loved the movie up until that point, and then I just couldn't get my mind around it. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't understand completely what was going on as far as, like, why the vacuum seal and was getting them in and everything had to do with it and but overall, I loved the movie. I mean, that was just... But when I left, I was just feeling a little bit like, oh, it was all great except for that jet scene. So I wasn't, <laughs> like, on high. How about you, Adam? What were, what were your thoughts? I know you went in, uh, as we've well-documented, a little <laughs> less excited than more more big-time Spidey fans, so... Yeah, I, I mean... I don't want to say... I, well, I did have low expectations. You know, Spidey's not just not my dude you know but i thought it was a really really good good movie um that airplane scene i'm not sure what it was it it did seem a little off with me though um i did like how they kind of went into the uh showed us how the cloaking tech works a little bit you know with when peter was climbing on the bottom of it and they showed like the giant spider-man guy on the top of it i thought that was kind of cool um but yeah, it it was a really solid movie, you know. Um, the the biggest part I was nervous about, I guess, was too much Iron Man. Um, but they put Iron Man in there, just the places I guess um, they really needed him. You know, I thought he was going to show up uh, and save the day in several parts. Uh, when the building fell on uh, Spidey, I thought that was one of the parts, and I figured he would have showed up in the final fight or whatever, and. Uh, 
I guess those are two really big character building moments uh, for Peter Parker and Tony didn't show up. Um, so I applaud them for not uh, making it Iron Man 4, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just I, I really, really liked it. Um, if I had to rank it, I, I don't even know why I'd do it. It'd probably be kind of in my hovering just outside of my top five, I suppose. I think on Facebook I said... I, I kind of put in a tier with Ant-Man um, and Doctor Strange. I think it's not uh, Guardians level for me, um, but then it's not Thor the Dark World level, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I think everyone killed it. Tom Holland's awesome. Um, and then uh, Ned. Ned was awesome. Genki. Uh, he was, Genki, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Genki. He was cool. Um, Zendaya for... Uh, for how much um, publicity she got, I guess I expected her in there a little bit more. Um, but I did also like that character, however little she was in. I thought Don- Donald Glover was good and Hannibal Burris <laughs> was funny in, in whatever scenes he was in, too. Um, oh, Michael Keaton. He's awesome. He's yeah. probably my favorite. Uh, man, the Vulture was awesome. You know, the, the biggest thing I did like about... Our, are we supposed to be segmenting this up any or am I random? <laughs> like, well, I have, re- you have answered about four of my questions right now. So you're, okay. you're doing pretty well. So l- let's take a pause yes, for a minute. Right, um, so you mentioned Iron Man and worrying that Iron Man was going to be in it too much. I think the other fear was that we hadn't seen that there was nothing left to reveal to us that we had seen all the big surprises. Um, did you guys feel that way? Or did you feel like there was still plenty left in reserve after all this criticism of Sony's trailer cutting practices. I felt there was tons of new stuff. I felt, I, I, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I When Michael Keaton walked in in Liz's, yeah, and turned out to be Liz's father, I gasped and, like, was absolutely shocked, even though, I, in hindsight, I feel like I should have seen that coming. But there were there were definitive moments. The Washington Monument fight or the Washington Monument moment. I think everybody would have assumed was a fight. Yeah, or or something that led to that, and it wasn't. Um, I, I think I I have to take back all of my criticism of Sony's trailers. Well, and they did some deliberate misdirection. Because in the trailers, I think they very explicitly like cut up like Keaton saying, you know, I if if you come after me, I'm going to take down everybody you love. And then they immediately cut to the people stuck in the elevator at the Washington Monument. And it made me think, oh, Keaton is going to try to kill his classmates in the Washington Monument. But that was totally not the way that that happened. And I thought that was a pretty good piece of misdirection on it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember the way they cut to him, like, jumping off with the spidey wings and everything. And you'd... For some reason, it was in my head that that was all a big fight with the vulture. So, yeah, they did... And I don't mind blatant misdirection. Because it gives me a nice surprise in the movie. I mean, I did sit the whole movie waiting for the Staten Island Ferry incident and his suit to be taken away. But they have to put something in the trailer. So I'll forgive them. Yeah, um, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, I kind of take back all the crap talking I was doing about the trailer. Um, 
Oh man, that Michael Keaton reveal! I was so hooked on oh, oh, Michael Keaton's uh, Michelle's dad. Blah 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 blah. I was still hooked on that rumor, and then he shows up and opens this door, and I yeah, that was like oh snap! Probably didn't say snap in the movie theater though. Um, <laughs> what I really love is like that's a that's a like sick to your stomach moment anyway. Like her dad could have been anybody. Like meeting the dad of some girl that you're taking out for the first time when you're in high school is a terrifying moment. And so the fact that they took that teen angst and wrapped it up in the supervillain thing was just so brilliant to me. You know, it was like so many forms of uncomfortable all like slammed together at one. And I think Holland did a really good job of playing it as petrified. And I, that is the most nervous I have been around an MCU villain the entire time I've watched MCU movies. Like I've never felt that much. It like my hero was in danger as when he's sitting there in the kitchen, you know, with Vulture. It just, I thought it was awesome. And I think that's the point in the movie. Like, it's so tense. And, like, her mother walks in the room, and I jumped three feet. Like, in my seat. The people next to me probably thought I was insane. But I was just, like, so on edge between the music and the tension that was built and his anxiety. So I, they just did a great job with all of that. I was really surprised too. Like as he came to the door, I literally in my brain thought, Oh, we're going to take a break from the superhero action to do the prom John Hughes thing. Okay. Whatever. Like I did not see it coming at all. And I feel like this was spoiled. Wasn't it? Like weren't there articles online that told us this was going to happen? Or did they say that Michelle was, um, Vulture's, uh, daughter? Do you guys remember seeing this? And it was like from a junior novelization and then they said that that novelization wasn't right. Do you remember this going down? Yeah, it was originally that. Well, the rumor was that Keaton was Michelle's father. I guess, and it was in, supposed to be in some sort of uh, exactly what she said, the novelization or whatever. Um, and that, yeah, it's it's one of those that, yeah, it was a rumor, and then um, all the sites picked it up and ran with it, and then a couple days later, it turned out to be false. And not all the sites. MCU Exchange not did not run sites. it because we thought that it was bad news. You know, we try to we try to stay away from the fake news if we can at all possible. <laughs> um, let's talk about Keaton just a minute more as a villain. Um, I mean, this you know people always talk about the villain problem at, at Marvel, right? This is a very strong counterexample of a really great Marvel villain, is it not? I think it was fantastic. And I know there's been lots of comparisons to Zemo because of, you know, the father and the family and all that. But I think Keaton just knocked it out of the park. Oh, I absolutely loved him. You know, that's the my favorite scene in the movie was probably uh, as he was driving them to the homecoming dance and you watch him figure out who Peter Parker is. You know, that's kind of the, the process um, that really, I, I love that scene. And, and the good thing about him, you know, that that's another reason why I like this movie. The world was never really in danger. You know, Michael Keaton wasn't hell-bent on destroying the whole universe as we know it. Um, I'm glad they got away from that because the universe is going to get destroyed in less than a year uh, with Thanos. But, yeah. Keen was awesome, and Vulture was was awesome. Um, A plus villain. 
Well, and to me, like, his motivation makes him a great villain because he's really just trying to take care of his family, right? He's just trying to pay the bills, just trying to get his daughter to college, all that kind of stuff. And so we empathize with why he does what he does, but it also, like, you know the strength of his resolve. He's not going to stop caring about his family. He's not going to want to suddenly go to jail and be taken from Liz, you know? And so I just felt like he had such menace, you know, like I truly believed that these, you know, for a moment it felt like they were real people and I could see this person killing Spider-Man, you know, like I felt the danger and I think that's great. I actually love the costume design. I know some people complained, but those beady little green eyes, like, it kind of freaked me out. He even had a, almost like a Darth Vader kind of like, uh, like breathing noise to it. You know, like I just, that whole thing I just thought was really creepy and really ominous. And, um, I don't know. I, so I know I don't like Loki as much as other people do. I'm not sure if this isn't my favorite Marvel villain period. Like I just think they've done a really, uh, maybe ex- accepting Netflix, but as far as the movies go, this may be my far- favorite Marvel villain in a movie. Um, because he was just... I mean, I really believed that my hero might die at his hands. Even though I know that that's not going to happen, you know? So I-, I thought he was fabulous, and I thought they did a really good job uh, with him. Uh, Adam, you also touched on kind of how some of the actors did in it. Um, what did you guys think of the way they flipped some characters and kind of messed with source material? Obviously, there was the big reveal that everyone saw coming where Michelle is actually a version of Mary Jane Watson. Um, or maybe she is. I mean, at least she's called MJ. Uh, we saw a very new, different version of Aunt May. Um, we saw um, a different approach to Flash Thompson in a significant way. Did you guys like how they kind of took those characters and revamped them? Or did you kind of miss some fidelity to the uh, the origin material? I actually am unfamiliar. I, I'm not familiar enough to the origin material to have strong feelings. I mean, I know that Mary Jane is, you know, Mary Jane, but um, I didn't have strong feelings either way. Yeah, agreed. You know, I don't. You guys know my thoughts on Spidey, so I could care less about the origins. Um, I was just glad that all the supporting cast was pretty strong in this one. So I was really happy with what they did with Flash. I thought that that was a great way to make it a contemporary character. Um, I read an article that I really hated on Entertainment Weekly this week, but they did mention how um, the Sam Raimi trilogy kind of like um, takes like New York and like sticks it in the 1950s, even though it takes place in the 1990s. And that Flash Thompson is one of the ways they do that. He's just like the stereotypical jock from you know a jimmy dean era that's just long gone and so i thought that they them redoing that character was really pretty pretty brilliant the way they did flash um and that he was the way a bully is today so i i thought that was good Uh, i'm still not convinced on uh michelle as mj um I, i i think they could do something fun with it i just i'm not sure if i'm there yet um, I do like the idea that maybe that this kind of awkward, nerdy, sarcastic young woman eventually kind of grows up to be somebody different because I think that's true in high school that sometimes people grow up and they're different adults. And I kind of be interesting to see her kind of 
you know, just become more like Mary Jane. Um, but I'm just not sure where I'm at with it. I thought they did really well with Aunt May. Um, Marissa Tomei brought a certain dorkiness to it that let us be okay with the fact that Aunt May is gorgeous. <laughs> but then there was also like the fun of playing with Aunt May being gorgeous. I thought that was the perfect balance of like trying to downplay it, but also going at it head on at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And I liked, I mean, there was just a little bit of Peter's relationship with Aunt May that showed when they were in the restaurant and the waiter was obviously hitting on her and he's like, he's into you. You know, I just, we didn't see a ton of Aunt May with Peter. And that just gave me a little bit of feel of what, how close they are. Yeah. And I think it's really smart at the end where May finds out that he's Spider-Man I always thought that Aunt May, they always treat her like an idiot, that she could go like decades without figuring out that he's sneaking out of the house every night, you know? And so I really love that we don't have to have dumb Aunt May for the rest of this film, whatever they do, you know? Like, she's aware now, and we don't have to do this bizarro, unbelievable sneaking out at night kind of stuff. That was going to be a question that I had for you guys, because I'm not as familiar with the source material, was if... Aunt May is in the know in the comics. Uh, I mean, Adam can tell you, I, my knowledge of it is Aunt May is always in the dark. Um, yeah. She's kind of just like this, in the comics, she's kind of a senile old lady. Like, yeah. that's not quite fair, but like, she's always like, oh, Peter, you're you're always so bruised. I wish you were more careful on your bike or something. You know, like, she's just like so innocent. She can't imagine what he's actually doing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I don't think there's a single, I shouldn't say a single time because it's comics, but I mean, throughout, she's more, Aunt May's more of like a grammar, almost great grandma type deal, you know? I mean, there there are a couple times, um, I believe she finds out, um, but since comics, she always forgets. Kind of like how Daredevil has a secret identity back now. Well, yeah, and I mean, Peter Parker went through that same thing. I mean, he literally made a deal with the yeah. devil so that nobody could remember that he was Spider-Man, <laughs> so... Um, let's just hope that storyline never gets developed over <laughs> at Marvel. Goodness. Did you think... Okay, this is a, a tangent. For just a second, did you think they were going to do a Civil War style, like, coming out, like, Peter Parker to the media thing at the end there with that press conference? Yes. I totally was confused. Until they showed... I mean... They showed the new suit, and I was like, okay, so he can put on the suit and go out there and talk. But I thought for a second there that he might just, like, go out and do an I am Iron Man type, I am Spider-Man. Yeah, I would not have been big on that. I no. want him to have a secret yeah. identity. Yes. So. Um, speaking of that suit, this is really an elementary question, but was that suit awesome, or was that <laughs> suit awesome? Like, that was really cool, wasn't it, Adam? It was. It was really cool. I w um, yeah, it was really cool. It almost had the, uh, uh, I got the, uh, it looked a lot like the set surrounding the Wasp suit for every reason. I kind of got those vibes from it. But yeah, that suit was amazing. I would guess we see it in Infinity War. I hope we do. Um, but yeah. I think that suit was awesome. There we go. It's official. We think it's awesome. Unanimous. I, I think that's the closest we'll ever get to an Iron Spider suit. I don't think they'll do a straight up Iron Man ripoff, you know, like 
I think that's the closest we'll get. But um, I also felt like, uh, and I'm sure people will immediately go in the comments and tell me I'm wrong. I feel like most MCU costumes are a derivative of the comic books. And I felt like that was the first MCU movie costume that I looked at and was like, this is unique to this universe. Like, there is nothing that looks quite like this. It was a little bit Iron Spider, a little bit the, uh, like, Ben Riley Spider-Man costume from the late 90s. But I felt like it was kind of a unique original design, which I think is cool. I just don't feel like we see that enough in the MCU. I feel like we're often very handcuffed to, oh, that looks like the costume and something or the other, you know? So I thought that was cool. Talking about suits, I actually jumped ahead on the questions. Uh, so this suit was way more tech than Peter Parker really ever has in the comics, I guess, short of Superior Spider-Man with, with Dr. Octopus. Um, was the suit too much for you at all? Do you ever kind of feel like it was Iron Man light? Like maybe Peter would have been better off not having all that tech in there or it was kind of different for his character? I don't know. I got a certain comfort. I don't know. I, I was one. I mean, I'll just preempt this with I was extremely anxious when I went to see the movie so I was looking for um so like everything made me anxious about it so like I liked the suit I felt that Peter was protected and safe as he did all of his really really stupid stuff so as he moved away from the suit and like you know towards the end when he's in his sweatshirt suit I really really missed all of the stark gadgetry now, as far as true to the character and true to whatever and the comics and everything, I was able to set that aside. Um, there was a little bit of feeling like it was another version of Iron Man to me. Just, a, you know, the, when Karen came in and he was talking to the suit, it kind of bothered me and felt like an Iron Man product but overall it gave me a little bit of comfort that i don't know i really cared about peter and i don't know why i thought he could actually be in danger but i liked the protection that the suit gave him i think that makes a big story point though like people were talking about how irresponsible it was for stark to send spidey out into battle and civil war but yes. now that we know everything that that costume could do it's a little less irresponsible right yeah Right, yeah. I mean, he basically gave him an Iron Man suit. I mean, it wasn't the iron protection and everything, but Tony was definitely looking out for him in some ways. Adam, any thoughts on all the things the Spidey suit did or Karen or any of those things that they added to this movie? Ah, they were all really cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I had zero problems with how... Uh souped up the suit was, I suppose. You know, um, I didn't mind all the the tech gadgets in that um i did not know jennifer Connolly. is it was the voice of karen i thought she actually had a, a bigger role than that um but yeah the suit itself i i didn't mind it whatsoever i certainly preferred it to his homemade stuff um the web wings were awesome too so i liked it yeah have you seen where do you know who jennifer Connolly is married to did you see that this weekend i did not she's married to paul bettany so it was kind of this fun <laughs> I thing did that, that I did not that Jarvis's <laughs> wife is Karen. Does that make sense? Like that's, that's awesome. This is kind of like this meta level thing, you know. Yeah. But cool. all right, uh, the last question I wanted to ask. So um, Charles at the website has been going nuts 
over continuity issues and the eight year gap and when does that mean Iron Man is and when is Avengers and I kind of honestly I was just like dude chill it's not it's not that big of a deal and then I read like this full write up of it over on Screen Rant where they actually talk about like all the problems and honestly it's bothering me a little bit more now um are continuity issues like that a problem for you? Like, do you feel like the MCU should have better sense of what year, what things happen? Or is that something that you're kind of willing to just let go? Like, is that something now that's bugging you as you know it's an issue? I've kind of accepted that... See, I haven't looked into any of that stuff because I know... I'm irritated that they don't... You know, all of the continuity that they do, that they can't keep a timeline straight... Or do it in a way that makes sense and explain their timeline or something like that. So I'm irritated that they do that. So for that reason, I don't read any of those articles. I don't try to make it work out. Um, Daredevil has some huge timeline issues that cannot be sorted out. I uh, So I'm, I'm assuming that if there was timeline issues with that. I just don't even try to sort it out. That is one thing that I will just turn off and not worry. Was it eight years? Was it six years? Was it 2008? Did one year pass? I'm just trying to turn that off and enjoy the moment because I don't think they can keep it straight. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have any issues with it. Um, you know, like Rhiannon said, if I if I started reading into that, uh, it would just frustrate me. Um I mean, it's, yeah, to me it's a lot more things could be wrong than that, I guess. So I'm thankful if that's the one thing that is wrong, at least to me it's not that big a deal. Um, But yeah, I guess I don't mind it, I suppose. Yeah, I've kind of convinced myself that this stuff doesn't matter. And what really helped me is I've been watching uh, Luke Cage uh, for the, if you haven't seen on the website, I've been doing a feature where I, I kind of just do a walk down memory lane of all the Netflix shows, watching them back again as we get close to Defenders. And I watched this episode of Luke Cage. Um, it's the one where um, Scarf is... Uh, either Scarf's just been shot or about to be shot. Anyways, he's in the barber shop, and he gets info about where these documents are in Scarf's apartment. And he leaves the, the, the shop, the barber shop, and the sun is setting. It then cuts to Misty um, sitting across the street in a car, staking out Scarf's apartment, and it's the middle of the afternoon, bright as day. And Luke breaks into the apartment, steals the docks, leaves the apartment, walks back to the barbershop. And when they go back to the barbershop, he walks into the barbershop in the middle of the night. Like, it's obviously a terrible continuity break. He left the barbershop at sunset immediately went to noontime and then came back at five o'clock, you know, eight o'clock at night. And it's like, there's no thought. Like when they wrote the script, they just totally screwed up or they could only film at a certain time or whatever. And I watched that and I thought to myself, you know, I watched that show. That's a major continuity break. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Whatever. They just had to shoot at a different time and it just got me to not care anymore. So that's my story on continuity. I just, uh, yeah, I think you go crazy if you look at it any more than that. So, all right, uh, we're going to start to wrap this up. Um, let's start with the negative and finish on the positive. Did you have a, um, a least favorite moment 
in this movie? Just one thing in it that you didn't like very much. The the Spidey hanging off of the jet. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that's probably the, the my least favorite moment as well. Uh, just in field ride. I, I, yeah, I, I missed the, the, all the cool tech stuff then. Um, but yeah, I just didn't like the whole jet scene. I think my least th- favorite thing, I, I felt like there was a little bit of pacing issues in the second act after that really fun scene during the party when he's like chasing them through the streets. I think there's just a moment there, a couple of minutes when they first get to the hotel in DC and they're trying to like pull out the tracker and they're trying to like open up all the protocols. I just felt like the movie dragged a little bit there. The pacing was off, but I mean, that's really the worst thing I can say about that movie. So what's the opposite? What's your favorite moments out of the movie? Um, uh, uh, we haven't talked about, well, I mean, this isn't my favorite. Uh, okay. One, the post credits with Captain America. Uh huh. It's my favorite post credit scene. So maybe not my favorite scene in the movie. Um, I loved like, I, I just loved the moments of him with Ned. Um, you mean Genki? Yeah, yeah. The moments of him <laughs> with his buddy. The the little moment where I mean, the, all of the backstory that we got on this was. So do you still have the spider? Can the spider bite me? And he's like, No, the spider's dead. Like, I really just enjoyed that little exchange. I'm sure, and, and you know, I probably have to watch it three more times before I came up with my actual favorite scene, but. I liked that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the everything Ned was in, I laughed my butt off when the teacher walks in when he's being the man in the chair. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm watching porn. Um, <laughs> but um, my my favorite scene was the Michael Keane part. You know, um, not finding out who he was, um, but more him figuring out uh, who Peter was. You know, and then he kind of he he drops uh liz off and then uh gets his gun ready you know but still hides it from peter you know i thought he was just gonna try shooting peter then and peter had to spray him with webs or something um but yeah i barely noticed the gun i don't even think you see him put the gun away um but yeah i kind of like that whole scene there so i don't know if this counts as a favorite or if i'm over hyping this but um the scene with donald glover in the car garage where he's just trying to get info from him and Donald Glover just gets to be Donald Glover, you know, and he's so good. And then when he slips out that line, I don't want those weapons on the street. Cause my nephew lives here. I just almost roared like in the middle. I was like, yes, it's happening. We hoped it would happen and it's happening. Miles is in this unit. Like, uh, I don't know. I've been really sold on Miles Morales in the last three or four years as I've like reread through comics and gotten back into the comic continuity. I want to see a Miles Morales Spider-Man movie so bad. And the fact that they're clearly planting seeds for it just makes me really excited. And I felt like it built. Like when they were showing Glover the tech, they mentioned that there's like a climbing apparatus. And he's like, tell me more about that. And then Spider-Man shows up and they cut it off. So, like, you know that the Prowler thing's happening. Adam, you said that Prowler is one of his, like, uh, aliases on the head-up display? Yeah, when they uh, showed his info, they, uh, they gave the two aliases, and it says the Prowler was in quotation marks, and then the 
other one was uh, Brian Pacelli, which is the uh, writer and creator of Miles Morales. So I thought that was very fitting as well. Yeah. Yeah. That is so exciting because it means that we're getting Miles eventually. I'm starting to wonder. I think we, we talked about this on the website. I'm starting to wonder if the big master plan is to get a trilogy out of this and then kill Peter and bring in Miles as the MCU Spider-Man or like send him off to an alternate universe and let Sony keep Peter but Miles goes to Marvel. That would be okay with me. I just I'm really excited about seeing Miles. So uh, that really pumped me up when, when that happened in the movie. Uh, let's just have one last question as we exit this. What do you guys want to see out of the next one? Like, we know that Spider-Man's going to be in Infinity War, he's going to be in the Untitled Avengers, and then we uh, are going to get a sequel in two years, uh, which, by the way, means that all the Marvel movies that have been announced will be done two years from now, which is kind of crazy to think of how that snuck up on us. Um, but what do you want to see from Spider-Man from here on out? Like, what's the next step that you're excited about uh, in the future of Spidey? I have no idea on the on on what I'd want to see as far as the evolution of Spidey. I'm enjoying seeing him come into his own, but I also enjoyed seeing him. I feel like he, I feel like there could be another movie with him in the exact same emotional place. You know, he's feeling confident because he turned down Tony Stark and he turned down the Avengers. And starting with that same cockiness, though a little less, you know, anxious for Tony to call him up. But um, I'm just anxious to see or excited to see where he goes as his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Though, of course, the next time we see him, he'll have been in Infinity War. So how does he even get back to being his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Uh, no, I guess. Uh, you know, this the next solo Spidey flicks kind of kicks off. Um, I don't want to say the second half. It kicks off the rest of the MCU, MCU you know. Um, so I'm just excited for that part. Um because uh we get more movies and things like that so i'm just kind of excited to see how the uh, whole cinematic universe progresses yeah i think i'm excited to so this is gonna sound weird after all this mess with silver and black i actually kind of want to see sony pull this off a little bit like um the way they introduced scorpion at the end there I don't think the timing's going to work, but I would love... I think it would make a lot of sense to be introduced to Scorpion in this. And then Scorpion to appear in even an R-rated silver and black movie and sort of get the next steps of his story. And then him come back into the movie uh, in the sequel to Homecoming and be kind of full-fledged Scorpion. I think that would be kind of cool. I think that would work. I think it would be exciting. So... I'm for the first time pulling for Sony to make that work instead of fail utterly so they give up on it altogether. So, I don't know. This movie has made me believe in Sony a little bit, even though it's all Marvel's faults. So, I don't know. I think that's interesting. The other thing is I do want to see this Spider-Man swinging around Manhattan from really tall buildings. I think they very specifically stayed away from that iconography because... It was so heavy in the Raimi stuff, and it happened again in the Garfield stuff, that they wanted it to feel different. But I do want to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man swinging around a building that's 120 stories tall. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that would be cool. And it's the one thing I kind of... It was that emotional 
touch point that I wanted to see that I didn't see in this last one. So, And I did enjoy that. I loved... I mean, Queens felt like Queens. Like, it was definitively not Manhattan when they were on Queens. When he went to the party and ended up swinging around and landing in a field and not being able to swing, I just absolutely loved that. It was just realistic and funny and a cool way to just sort of thwart him that was just him figuring out how to do what he does yeah it's funny i think there was a lot of those moments where they touched on something that's like hey how does that work like i had a friend today talking to me who is a an older guy who does not watch any of these movies but he remembers spider-man from like comics when he's a kid and he said something like yeah i kind of would like to see like how he changes out his web cartridges. Like, I always wondered how that worked. And there's that scene on the ferry where he, like, flicks the cartridges, like, out of his wrist and, like, reloads them real quick. Almost like he's reloading a gun. Do you, did you see that scene? Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Like, I've never seen Spidey do that, but he would have to do that. And the way they, like, flipped out almost like a shotgun cartridge. Like, it was just really cool. And that's a detail that I, I like to see in Spider-Man. I liked it to feel real and fleshed out. And I thought all that stuff was really good. So, And even him changing suits. I mean, that's something that's, I mean, Deadpool had a whole trailer joking about that, <laughs> but just, you know, like him being in an alley, changing into a suit. I don't think that could ever get old for me. All right. Well, this is, I think going to do it for our talk uh, about Spider-Man homecoming. As you can tell, we really liked it. Uh, Adam was talking about rankings. Um, this may be sacrilege for him, but, uh, it's either fourth for me or sixth. It's either a little bit better or a little bit worse than the two Guardians movies. That's where I'm at with it. So I'm trying to figure out how I feel about it. But um, I think we really enjoyed it. We hated not having Ryan because we know he has a lot of excitement about this as a big Spidey fan. If you want to hear some of Ryan's thoughts, though, head over to MCU Exchange. The official review of the film was done by Ryan this time. Uh, we asked him to do it since he loves Spider-Man so much. So if you want Ryan's thoughts, you can at least see some of them in his Spider-Man review uh, over on the website right now. All right, that about does it for this episode. It's just time to open up our mailbag as usual. And first of all, big announcement-y type thing, excitement. Uh, we had the most listens and downloads combined last week that we've ever had in a seven-day period on the MCU Exchange podcast. So thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. It's always cool for us when we hit... Uh, new highs and so you really liked last week's episode and we really appreciate that uh, I'm going to run through these things pretty quickly uh, Matthew Joseph Sarah on the website said he'd like to see more crossover in the ABC shows between the movies and the shows things that would help people want to watch uh, Chris had this really interesting idea about Adeline and the Inhumans he wondered if maybe Adeline looks so dire and nasty because the idea is that they've been trapped on the moon and they don't have enough natural resources and it's actually causing this discontent that makes Maximus want, uh, helps Maximus like mobilize the people that they're like, well, this place is a dump and we haven't had new building materials in decades. We need to move back to Earth. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Ultimate Typeface suggested that we should have some more MCU animation. Uh, Fanamir is a little concerned about Scorpion and how he's going to fit in with Black and Silver and Black and the movies and how all that continuity is going to work. Ian Fleming said Marvel ABC should die. This is really interesting. Ian Fleming loves those shows, 
but he thinks they would be better on other networks, which is really fascinating. So uh, that's what Ian had to say. Alvin uh, was just sad that we're not going to have the Inhumans in the other Avenger type movies. I feel that way as well. Uh, Love Waffle actually doesn't like Luke Cage as well. He said Luke Cage would be near the bottom of his list. So that's one viewer we didn't make angry with Luke Cage. Uh, and we talked about one-shots, and Simon Shepard suggests that a one-shot that shows us what happens to Wanda from the end of Age of Ultron to the beginning of Civil War would be really ex- interesting to see how she goes from being sort of a bad guy to part of the Avengers, uh, and I thought that was a good idea. Uh, on Twitter, Michael T. Ford thought the hipster uh, Fantastic Four idea was really funny. Um... Bill Davis on Facebook uh, thought that the Inhumans trailer looked okay if you had the right expectations, but a lot of people are overestimating what the show is going to be on ABC, and I think that's probably fair. I think that's me. A lot of people kind of crapped on Inhumans on Facebook, uh, uh, just saying it looked really bad, and there was a few people, though, that have some hope and they want to wait and see. Um, Rhiannon, let me ask you real quick. We did talk about Inhumans last week. Did you have any thoughts on the trailer for Inhumans? I I listened to the podcast last week, and the only thought I had in addition to everything you guys already talked about is everybody wants to look at Lockjaw as, like, the high point in that trailer. And I was really upset. It's a 2,000-pound dog. Um when he did that cute little like jump and put his paws down a 2000 pound dog would make the walls shake. <laughs> um, so I felt like they really had a moment in that last little thing to make him cute and make him the thing we focus on, but make it, you know, like, Oh yeah, but this is a gigantic beast. Um, so I was just upset that they didn't do that, but otherwise, yeah, the trailer, um, I don't think I have anything more to say than what you guys have already said. All right. So maybe we'll see more next week. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we had um, Ed on Twitter. I was getting right to that. Who asked us. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. You're helping me segue. Uh, Was asking for (laughs) what are our predictions for what's going to happen at D23 or at San Diego Comic-Con. So. Uh, Rhiannon, you're going to be present at San Diego Comic-Con, hopefully in Hall H for the big movie panel, I would guess. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> so, uh, Rhiannon, since you're attending San Diego, just give us your thoughts. Do you know what you're thinking we're going to see the next week or two out of D23 and then San Diego Comic-Con the week after? So, D23, they've already announced that they are going to show some Black Panther, I believe. Um, I think, so. so there's the movies. And um, D23 and the movie side, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to have some major announcements. I think that I would not be shocked. And some of our folks at the MCU exchange aren't thinking this, but I would not be shocked if we get the next six movies, if not a whole phase four lineup. Um, I think they know where they're going. I think... They're just stalling on letting all this information come out. I think we are going to get major information on the plans for the future. Um, we're going to get new scenes. You know, they do the thing at San Diego where they show scenes that only the people in the audience get to see. But I think we'll get new trailers. I think we'll maybe get a preview um, from Marvel Studios of that 10-year anniversary. They're going to do a 10-year anniversary um, logo. 
like they did for Star Wars. Um, so the panels that we have at San Diego, Friday night, there's going to be an Inhumans panel. And I think there will be actual scenes. I think we will get far more information there. I believe I will be in that room. So the thing press at San Diego Comic-Con still has to do, like they don't get any special privileges as far as getting into these halls. I thought I had some hookups, but I'm not sure if they're going to come through. So I don't know how many of these halls I'm going to actually be able to get into because I can only be in one place at one time. The next night is going to be Defenders on Friday night. And I think... I think there we, we could get information on, um, I think we'll get an Iron Fist renewal announcement if it is coming. I'm assuming it's coming. Um, I believe we'll get actual scenes from the Defenders. I think we will get official announcements regarding Jessica Jones season two information. I think we will, I think there will be Punisher news. Hopefully we'll get a Punisher trailer official Punisher release date. I think there's all kinds of information. They pack so much in these panels that, you know, last year we got um, an Iron Fist teaser. We got Daredevil season three renewal. We got uh, Punisher showed up. We got all kinds of stuff. So I think we could see that same flurry of information from the Netflix defenders panel. Um, Netflix has also said they're going to have new original content. They're having a booth at San Diego and they're going to be having new original content. So I'm going to be sure to check that out early and see if they happen to have any scenes from the Defenders playing or anything like that. Um, And then Hall H on Saturday night for Marvel Studios, they have 90 minutes. And that's why I'm saying I think they will have a full... I think we are going to get major announcements there. I mean, I know we're going to see new stuff. You always see new stuff. But I think I think there's going to be major announcements in Hall H on Saturday night. Um, and I will do the best I can to get everything to everybody. Um, but I have no idea if I'll be able to get into Hall H yeah. on Saturday night. Be- because I would probably have to be... If I don't... Um, if I don't get any special, you know, if, if I don't work any special miracles to get in there, I would literally have to be camping out for Hall H while the Defenders panel is still happening. And I'm going to that Defenders yeah. panel. Adam, so. do you have anything you're hoping to see out of these? I am hoping to, uh, see another massive, like, 15 film, uh, dump, you know, but we probably won't get that. So, no, whatever whatever works, you know, I'd be stoked to uh, um, see some more Black Panther stuff, maybe even an Infinity War uh, teaser or something. Um, but besides that, i just waiting for uh, San Diego Comic-Con. I got the app. I'm not fortunate enough to go to San Diego, uh, but I got the app. So, I'll, being the nerd I am, I will live stream a comic convention. <laughs> I can't, I can't get the app to work. So you might be more in the know than I am. So here's my uh, predictions. You guys can hold me to it. Uh, I think we're going to get definitely a Doctor Strange 2 announcement. I think they're going to definitely tell us that Guardians is coming in May of 2020. I think that um, 
I think you're right, Rhiannon, on a lot of the Netflix stuff. I think I think we get the last major trailer for Defenders, actually. I think we'll have another major trailer for it. I think we'll get a Punisher release date and maybe a teaser for it. And I think they'll tell us all three shows that are coming the year after. Probably not dates, but the three that are coming, which we kind of know it's going to be Daredevil, Jessica, and Luke. Um, I think... Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of retrospective stuff at San Diego Comic-Con. And so I'm guessing that um, my big prediction is I think we're going to have the biggest cast photo ever. I'm guessing they're going to have 50 plus actors on stage by the end of San Diego Comic-Con to be like the big Infinity War cast picture. And they're just going to have to like take it from the back of the hall to fit everybody in the shot. So I think we'll get that. And oh, the other one is I'm... I'm betting that we get concept art of um, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. We'll get the first shot of her in the costume. So those are my bold predictions. We'll see what happens. Let me go ahead and read. Finally, uh, I did see that we had a new iTunes review. So I'm going to read this real quick. Thank you very much to Epilepsiman or Epilepsiman, Epilepsiman. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, it was a five-star review. said, if you're a fan of Marvel Cinematic Universe, then this podcast is most certainly for you. An informative listen, courtesy of a dedicated website, the MCU Exchange Podcast also offers engaging insight and speculation from some of the best Marvel fans out there, the hosts. So there you go, guys. Apparently you're some of the best Marvel fans out there, according to this guy on iTunes. So yay, thank you for the review. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of the hosts, go ahead and tell us where people can find you online and we will be done for the day. So you can find me on Twitter as Shot of Patron, and you can watch my complete anxiety leading up to San Diego Comic-Con. If you've been there, if you're going to be there, get in touch with me. This is my first time. I have no clue what I'm doing. Um, But as I get there, I'll be sure to share pictures and information. I mean, and, you know, stuff that's MCU related, it'll be on our MCU Exchange feed. But if you just want to see everything that I happen to want to share at San Diego. Follow me and I'll Rhiannon, are you going to cosplay as Josie? Me- well, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it could happen. I was trying to put together a typhoid Mary Ooh. cosplay. Um, and I have like half of the stuff for it, but I don't feel like I can cosplay and do, you know, like Hall yeah, H gotcha. lines. So, I, I I'm I think this year I have like a pair of Captain America pajama pants, and that's about as cosplayish as I'm gonna be. Um, but I don't know. I've had a lot of good cosplay ideas. I could show up as Josie. I, my cousin, I'm staying with. We uh we might dress up as dead prisoners from Punisher. And just pass out somewhere. <laughs> and and <laughs> so if you see some people that look like that are just like napping with blood all over them, say hello. <laughs> um, I feel like I should have a cosplay plan by now if I'm going to do one. I did I was at the Disney store today and they had a huge tangled um, exhibit that had hair like twenty feet long. And I was like checking that out and seeing how they did it, so that one day I might be able to do a Medusa. Yeah, just diet red or whatever. But yeah, but not yet, not yet. That one, 
New York Comic Con. That's really the other is. thing. I think we're going to see Medusa's so. hair at one of these events. I think the Inhumans panel at San Diego, I think we're finally going to see that effect. And I think people are going to hate it. Yes. So those, <laughs> that's my other prediction. <laughs> Adam, what about you, man? Where can we find you online? I am uh, on social as at Adam Barnhart. Awesome. I'm at Caleb A. Borchers. And uh, that does it for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, uh, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. You can like our posts on Facebook or twe- uh, Twitter. You can hashtag MCUXPod, M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D, uh, to send us messages. You can send us messages on the website. Uh, the five-star reviews on iTunes are the best way to get more people to listen to our show. Uh, like we said last week, was the best week we've ever had. So thank you for helping us build our audience. And please keep telling your friends so we can do that more. Um, that does it for this week. Um, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.